Everything happens when all things come together and what can only be described as perfect chaos. Welcome to episode 9 of the Perfect Chaos Podcast. It's Rhonda and David. And together we make up the Perfect Chaos team. Perfect Chaos not only represents how we started this podcast, but it's also representative of us. I'm a professor of education at a local university, and David is a program director and professor at a nearby community college. Our backgrounds are diverse and range from sociology, criminal justice, fire and emergency medical services, emergency management, and then together education. And this all comes together to blend into what we call our perfect chaos. As we mentioned last week, our topic this week brings up the discussion about what is the best format for P-12 education. This goes into, do we like the junior high school that is included with a six to nine or a middle school concept? Should it be a P-8 environment with a 9-12 high school? Should there be an academy style for seniors or freshmen or any other number of concepts? David and I have had this conversation many times since before we even had kids, and we've continued it after we've had kids. We have yet to agree on what we think the perfect construct is. However, today we're going to take a look at our opinions as well as some research that's been conducted in this area, and we definitely want to hear your feedback as well. So this has been ranging since before our daughter was born. When uh, you were initially thinking of, of going into the elementary education realm before deciding to move on, we would have these conversations back and forth to your university that you were at at the time or just on the phone. We've had them on this podcast a couple of times, including last week when we were talking the dual enrollment side. But before we get into our own opinions and what research actually says, what are some of the different concepts that you're seeing uh, currently in the P- P-12 world? Well, um, there's any number of concepts, but the ones that uh, seem to be the most prevalent, um, your traditional elementary, middle, high school setting, so uh, pre-K to fifth grade in a school, six to eight in a middle school, and then nine twelve in a high school. Uh, then you have... The um, elementary, primary, junior high, secondary, the pre-K to three, four to six, seven to nine, and ten to twelve. And then you have in districts where they are either broken up into some smaller schools. It does typically tend to be a smaller population to be able to do it, but the pre-K eight and nine twelve. And then there are still in existence a few one-room schoolhouses where it is pre-k to 12 and these are all public schools this is not you know we're not looking at private or homeschool co-ops or anything like that we're just simply looking at a public school so one of the documents that i read this week uh, went so far as to go into what you were just mentioning there what are some of the different concepts in the current environment we're, we're in with the, the COVID as we've been talking about. And some of those mentioned were just that virtual schools, home schools, and, and uh, et cetera. And uh, our, our current form is just kind of looking at the, those most prevalent uh, systems that are out there. So before we get into which ones are the best, we kind of look at uh, how those are actually set up. So 
as you mentioned, a lot of times we see uh, the different environments based on a couple of different factors. One, the financial uh, aspect of the community they're in as far as uh, just how much the community, the, the governments there have, uh, the populations of those areas, and then partially with the available teachers that they have as well. Right. I mean, the district that we're in has two, it has different models depending on which school you are. Uh, so our larger pockets of our district go pre-K to five, six to eight, nine to 12. Um, we've got two that are kind of the outside areas of the district that are pre-K eight and then nine, 12. Our whole district goes to the same high school. Now, that being said, we do have a an academy for the freshmen that's, what, a mile and a half down the road from the normal high school. Um, but as far as our district, that's, that's the way it is set up. Um, a couple of our pre-K-5s uh, combine when they go to middle school. Uh, so our 6-8, we have four middle schools. Two of them are attached in within the pre-K-8 systems. So the other two kind of get the combo of all the kids from the rest of the schools in the county that we're in. So that that's simply broken down a lot by the populations. You said the, the higher pocket areas uh, tend to break them down just a little bit because, uh, as we know, several of the schools are, are older in age and therefore very limited in the population they can serve. So it's better that they're, they're broken down, uh, but then they come back together. And so we see that some of them, it's that they have the ability to build one school and they build one large school that covers all of the area as well. Well, and the other thing to look at, if the, our two pre-K-8 schools, um, back when my mom, because, I mean, my whole family has gone to school in this county pretty much. Um, so when my mom was in school, there were four high schools. Um, they combined into one major high school. Uh, there's a whole story about a tree in the courtyard uh, that I love to tell our kids and they don't find it near as amusing as I do, but I think it's great. There's a magnolia tree planted. It's at the very center of the County when they built the high school. Um, so things like that. But so our two pre-K eight schools, they are on kind of the outskirts of the County. They're the, the furthest away and they are in the old high school buildings. So they've added on to them, but there was a little more room. They had a little more things to do. The other two middle schools are in old high school buildings. So the middle school that our son goes to is the middle school that I went to was the high school when my mom was there. Um, so, yeah, we're, A, we're not talking about brand new buildings. Um, there is one brand new school in the county. It's an elementary school. Uh, and the Patriot Academy. And then, yeah, the Freshman Academy. That's, right. um newer as well but in general you know for us what happened was it was divided with the four high schools they were kind of the four major spots in the county um major population spots and then there was a push to unify the county um it was also a push because they wanted everybody together they wanted us to be one representative, there really wasn't enough, weren't enough people for us to have four high schools. Um, so they pushed and 
about the one high school. We became the Patriots. Uh, everybody feeds into it. Um, that happened, let's see, my dad was the first class that graduated. Um, I graduated from there. It was, I think when I graduated, maybe we were the 20th, close to being the 20th. Um, our daughter will now be, let's see, I graduated in 98. How many years ago is that? 20-something? Two. 22. She's going to graduate this year. be 23. So we're looking at right at 40 years. And at this point, we've grown enough that logistically you could split it back into two high schools at least. Um, nobody wants to do that. We like the one high school concept, but it is becoming one massive high school. Um which is one of the reasons they, they try to keep that concept and they want they, they figured if they could move one of the grades out then right. they could uh, reduce that population some. Right. But they wanted to keep it close together. So when you look at our elementary our pre five or P five and P eight schools, um our P five schools in general tend to be larger. They typically have about four teachers per grade. Um for the main two, um, there's two smaller ones that are on average two teachers per grade, and then our pre our P eight schools, um, for the elementary piece of it, you've got anywhere two to three teachers, just dependent on population, and then when they get to the middle school piece of the P eight side, at both of them, like you just you're on teams, but it's the same teachers. Everybody's got the same ones. So, and so the other part to that, as you mentioned, going from four high schools, even uh, you know, depending on the uh, overall population of that school, down to one, you can actually reduce the amount of teachers that are necessary uh, overall. So, if you have a shortage of teachers, uh, then they may end up changing that construct to fit the available staffing that they have. So, you know, in four high schools, you would need four uh, social studies teachers where if you go down to one or two schools you may need one two or less than what you did at each of those four schools yeah i think there was a lot of shuffling when they combined um at this point uh you know here we are in 2020 um this podcast actually comes out it's the last podcast of 2020 so hopefully we've made it all the way through the year um but when you look at the available teachers issue now that's becoming a problem we don't have enough um i work in education and we can't put teachers out fast enough um it is a constant i checked my phone right before i came in here and i've got four more emails with schools needing teachers so uh I think as we talk about this today, that's the other piece that we need to keep in mind. And when I first started working in education, as far as teaching teachers, we really, when we talked about high needs areas, we were talking special education, uh, teaching English as a second language or English language learners, whichever acronym your school system uses, math at the middle school and high school level, science at the middle school and high school level. That was pretty much our main, these were our high needs areas. At this point, everything but elementary education is considered to be a high needs area in the state of Tennessee. And in some spots, elementary education has become a high needs area. 
So this, with concepts such as that, there's discussions being had probably across the country of do we need to change our construct and, and take a look at maybe combining schools and expanding this or or separating out, you know, they may be a K-8 and they have too much and they need to separate out. So this is uh, one of those that, that may have that well, effect. And the interesting thing is most places, um, you know, I'm not going to say everywhere, but most places were already over the student to teacher ratio. So combining is not going to help anybody at this point uh, because we already don't have enough teachers to go in. So now when we're looking at combining, it's what can we combine and move and still provide services? Um, you know, it's been a hard year for teachers. This has not been easy. It's been a hard year for everybody. But, you know, I mean, our own kids going back and forth. I'm a distance learner. We have a distance learning day. So tomorrow, I mean, we're recording this early, but tomorrow the high school is on distance learning. But pre-K-8 schools are not. They're in person. And we've had a lot of that. Uh, our One of our neighboring counties they've been they'll shut down one school to go distance learning for they finally last week just said everybody is home on virtual learning until january so there's been a lot of that this year um that also kind of plays into this into what does this school model look like some some places have found ways to do this that really work for them um some haven't but everybody I think is doing the best that they could possibly come up with I know one school system one neighboring school system they have had uh, like if your name last name begins with A through L you go in person on Monday Tuesday and then you're virtual Wednesday Thursday Friday and then if your last name starts with M through Z you are virtual Monday Tuesday Wednesday and in person Thursday Friday so that means nobody, no children are in their school systems on Wednesdays to allow them to sanitize in between groups. Uh, and that seems to have worked out really, really well for this particular system. Um, I have some, some students that are teachers in that system, and, and the I'm not going to say they haven't had any cases, but their cases haven't jumped quite as much as everybody else's. Um, but they're a smaller school system. You know, how, how does that translate in other places? Not quite. So I think when we're looking at this, um, we're looking at this with a maybe a pre-pandemic, right? And that what what you're kind of wanting to do? That is because uh, again, uh, you know, theoretically, this is only going to last for a certain period of time. Uh, nobody can agree uh, with with vaccines coming out and uh, you know uh, going home and. I did see something on Facebook today from one of your colleagues that said the pandemic will be over in a year and a half. We love that. Hey, um, that's a lot And since it was on Facebook. It's got to be true. It's got to be true, right? Isn't that the way it works? Of course. And so one more before we get into the student side of this. Um, We've talked about the teachers. We've talked about, you know, the the environment. But one of the things is talking about the administrators. So in some of these things, we've got to take a look, you know, especially if you go uh, K-8 or even K-12 or P-12, uh, we take a look at, uh, usually you have a singular lead administrator. Right. But we know that each age range, uh, going up from kindergarten to first grade to second grade, uh, while smaller the clusters are, 
the, the more alike those individuals are, each grade that that school has is a different environment of student altogether. Absolutely. <clears throat> so administrators of the larger ranges of schools have, depending on resources, may have somebody underneath it that takes the younger age groups or the older age groups, but that may not always be the case. So Right. And the, you've, you've got high schools even, just a 9-12 high school, that they have a lead principal and then they have a grade principal. Um, and again, that's a, that's very dependent on population. You can't have those administrators without, you know, you're, you're not going to have grade level administrators if you've only got 200 kids in the building. And for every administrator you, you promote, uh, the majority of those coming out of your teacher population right. is another teacher out of the classroom as well. But uh, one of the things is, is, you know, as an administrator, the, the wider that range is, the wider your thought process have to be because the decision that you make that affects, well, we'll just say that middle school range, the the 6-8, may not be beneficial for the K-5 or the P-5 side. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> I've said, excuse me, I've said for years the whole concept of when we put kids on buses, you know you get kids on buses and you've got everything from kindergarten to seniors in high school on the same bus. That's a lot. It is a lot. Um, and that's, you know, God bless the bus drivers <laughs> flat out. Y'all and bus drivers, y'all gonna have extra jewels in your crowns. Um, y'all right up there with middle school teachers cause bless middle school teachers. Um, but there is, there is something to that on, you know, when you have a small grade band that you're making decisions for, if that's the only grade band in that school, it makes it a little easier sometimes to make those decisions as opposed to making a unilateral decision for that's going to affect nine different grades. So I'm going to go ahead and just start out and say what mine is. And I'm going to challenge you to say what yours is. But I personally am a big fa a big proponent of the K five middle school than high school, being K or pre uh, pre K five six uh, eight and then nine twelve. We could talk about why, but I'm going to ask you what yours is after that. Um, my preferred, and interestingly enough, it's my preferred, even though it's not what I did. Uh, but my preferred is a P three four six seven nine. 10, 12. So you're going with the junior high type mm -hmm. concept. Yes. So I'm going to go into why I like mine and then challenge you to say why you like yours. And we'll, we'll kind of go from there. And so just as we talked about last week, and this was kind of one of those big uh, places, every time you go to the top side of your school, uh, you know, in the, in the P5 environment, uh, you become the big man on campus, and then sixth grade, uh, you go back kind of the low man on the totem pole till you hit eighth grade, and vice versa. Once you get in the high school, uh, you know the the ninth grade year, you, you're no longer the head of the pecking order. You go back to the very beginning, and the one thing that I like about that is the fact that that ninth grade year, most of those individuals don't have the responsibilities uh, of driving. Most of them are not working. Most of them don't have outside requirements. Now, there, there are still some that are out there that are working, but most of them don't have those additional responsibilities to get into while 
they are. But anyways, those those individuals have that ability to take that ninth grade year, kind of develop in the, the mental aspect or the social aspect of becoming a high school student without having to worry about, or potentially not have to worry about going to school, learning how to drive, uh, and, and some of the additional uh, responsibilities. Um, again, while they're, they're relearning that. And, and it's kind of the same thing when they go from five to six. You know, they're, they're still able to just be sixth graders and learn how to be sixth graders around those seventh and eighth graders. Is this when I get to talk? This now? is when you get to talk. Now. I've done good. I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything yet. All right. So this is my reasoning behind splitting it up into the four different schools. When you look at a kindergartner or a pre-K four-year-old child and a fifth grader, they don't have any business being around each other. When you look at a sixth grader emotionally, developmentally, socially versus an eighth grader, they don't have any business being around each other. And when you look at a freshman in high school versus a senior in high school, they live in two totally different worlds. The problem is, and there's multiple problems. I'll toss that out there. One of my problems is when you look at the social and emotional growth, not only do we have that social emotional growth happen at different rates, uh, just based on the person, but we also have a physical growth component. And for girls who a lot of times will have that physical growth component earlier, freshman girls that look like they're 16 or 17 don't need to be in the same building with senior boys because the senior boys have figured out how to exploit that. It's the same thing happening with eighth grade and sixth grade. Now, for those that look at athletics, you know, Look at your sixth graders versus your eighth graders, just size-wise. It, it just, there's a big difference there. Um, there's a lot of growing up that happens in between sixth and seventh grade. There's a lot of maturity that, that happens. Um, and it just, in my mind and in my frame of reference, you know, when I taught high school, there's a very definitive difference between a freshman in high school and a sophomore in high school uh, in the way they act, in the way they learn, in their ability to be responsible. And yes, the freshmen grow, but the end of the freshman year is not the same as the beginning of the sophomore year. So I think in hearing both mine and yours, our overall thought process and, and also in the environment we're in we do have uh, a very widespread county so going to a singular school is not necessarily the best option but both of us are kind of advocating for that smaller band range I, my, the largest mine is it goes from three to five years the the well with with pre-k in there it's a sixth year but uh really nothing as long as a p8 or a p12 environment those yeah. are very difficult to maintain without a large administrative staff that can break will still break those bands up well you've just got too many people in there that 
they don't live in the same world. Um, now, I'll be honest, I hadn't figured out what world yet middle schoolers live in, but it is not the same world that the kindergarten lives in. It's, <laughs> I like the kindergarten world better, believe it or not. Their minds are really starting to work, but they try to think about the kindergarten realm where there's really no boundaries because right. you know, they haven't ventured outside of their box yet. The, the middle school, they're, they're outside of their box and their brain's working that way, and so they don't think there's any boundaries, and they like to push and find where yeah. they actually are. So so within that, you know, the, the reason... Well, I kind of like that construct going into what you said. And, and so I'll kind of pose this question with with mine is if we take that eighth grade to ninth grade transition and we bring that ninth grade back to a junior high realm, does that not then change the social and emotional development of that ninth grader and actually postpone that into the 10th grade year once they're into that next level environment? I don't think it does because I think it forces them to be a leader that ninth grade year, instead of being the sheep at the bottom of the pit. And I think because your age range that they're being a leader of is all a year older, I think you're still going to have that growth and development. The problem that I see, and it there's two places, that, <coughs> excuse me, three places that I really start to see a problem. It's between the ninth and tenth graders. It's between the sixth and seventh graders. And it's between the third and fourth graders. There's just a lot of growing up that happens in between those years. And the 10th graders are just not in the same world. They belong to the world of the juniors and the seniors. They're for the, Now, I was not because I was a year younger than everybody. But they're starting to drive. They're starting to have jobs. They're starting to do those things. Right? When you put the ninth graders in with that, they're the only ones not starting to do that. That puts a lot of pressure on those kids. That's a lot of, well, I have to fit in, so I'm going to do the things. Except, baby, you can't do the things because you're not old enough to do the things. Um, so I think leaving them down and going 7-9 allows them to develop into a leader and maybe figure out a little bit more of who they are before they hit that stage where everybody's learning to drive and everybody's getting jobs and, and doing those things and prepping for college or a career, whichever way you want to go. With sixth and seventh graders, just, I mean, good grief. You can look at the pictures of our kids. Their sixth grade picture versus their seventh grade picture. You know, our son, the difference in him in a year is just incredible. You know, and it, there is something to that. I mean, I'm not basing this totally on growth, but there is something about that looking like a child versus looking like a young adult. He no longer looks like a child. And he is the youngest in his grade because he only beats the cutoff by one day. So I won't say anything about the last uh, couple weekends. Uh, my Facebook memories keep popping up six years ago from yeah. We're not going to talk about that. Upward basketball. I had a real good cry <laughs> the other day. Mom sent me one um, of him when he was like four. Yeah, my mine have all been upward basketball weekends. I, I get them every Saturday for the last couple yeah. weeks. It's either been uh, upward or, or junior pro and. And uh, so it's kind of very interesting to see those. But th there is a development there. Now, you could, going back just a few minutes ago, one of the things you were talking about is those development uh, age. And, and um, so 
in our current construct, they move the ninth graders or freshmen out into their own school. Now, right. some of those individuals, based on the classes they take, come over to the main campus. And, right, because they're part of know, like band or ROTC, chorus, something right. like that. And and so going back, you know, that one has a singular administrator for both locations, even though they have, again, kind of the grade uh, principles underneath there. Right. Uh, but now we're taking and isolating that ninth grade year altogether. And they don't have... Can I say I don't like that without getting in trouble? Well, you know, it's not your preference, right? It you is know? not my preference. Um, the one thing... So when they did that, just for for kind of some historical reference, you know, we had gone from the four high schools to the one. So one of the problems that everybody felt like was that we had the one high school that was four micro schools inside. Right. So instead of everybody coming together and for lack of a better term, we'll just go on and use the athletic names. Instead of everybody coming together and being Patriots, you had the Cyclone Patriots, you had the Elks Patriots, you had the Hornets Patriots and you had the Plainsman Patriots. Um, so the thought behind the Freshman Academy was we're going to pull from all these four middle schools and put them together and let them become one and become Patriots and go into the high school. Now, in theory, <coughs> that sounds really good. Um, <coughs> what it turned into was at one point there were four hallways and you stayed on your hallway. So you still weren't really getting together with everybody. I will say that has changed. Um, and now I'm a little bit more of a fan of what it's doing than what I was. I'm not... I, I used to be totally against it. I'm not totally against it anymore. Um, I, I can see the potential. I still think it's a better idea than putting the freshmen in with the 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. So what if we say instead of doing that, we take that concept and instead of having a freshman academy, now we have a senior academy. So the seniors, which are many of those seniors are doing service learning. They're they're able to get out early, do a dual enrollment, uh, you know, what if we move those out? Those have already had those development. Now we go nine eleven in the main, and then have. But a you've still category. got the problem that your ninth graders are not in the same world as your tenth and eleventh, and then you lose your true leaders that are out there showing people, you know, this is what you want to strive for. I don't think you take the seniors out. If you're taking anybody out, you take the freshmen out. But the only problem is, is one of the things that you mentioned there was the fact that the ninth grade would have that that upper level in your in your junior high concept where they can become those leaders right and now they become they become isolated there and there's really no leadership uh i still prefer my seven nine i'm just saying i'm not against the freshman academy like i was easy there turbo <laughs> I, I, I haven't i i haven't i'm just i'm talking about some of the different uh different ones i still there. prefer a seven nine um but if we're gonna pull one grade out Freshman would be the grade that I would pull out. I will agree with that wholeheartedly. If if we have to, based on school population or overcrowding, if we are being forced that we're going to have to pull one grade out and have them in a separate building, freshman would be the one grade I would pull. Now, I would not pull my seniors. Now, let, let's take a look back into a, a singular school environment when we're taking a look at a lot of uh, – middle school uh, ranges, uh, and even some of the K-8, you know, 
that we do have in our area. The middle school side is kind of the other side of the school, and it's it's kind of divided between your K three, four, five, and then six, eight. Uh, is that geographic separation in the same building providing that level of protection per se? Or no, I don't think it is. I think people are doing their best for it too, but I think there's still a lot that the younger kids see and are exposed to that they're not ready for. Um, and we can think back to when our daughter was in middle school because she was at a pre-K-8 school and our son was in elementary school. And the things that he would see, you know, at the middle school, you know, he of course she played basketball, she was on she was doing sports, so he hung out with the sports teams. You know, and there's a 5-year difference. And there's a, there were a lot of things if you can remember he would say stuff and we were like, "What? <laughs> Excuse me, you are in first grade, shut your mouth." Um and part of that though was as you mentioned he he had access because because of a couple of different reasons but right uh, one that his sister was there and, and there do was an think opportunity it it, for him to hang out right but i think it makes it really hard on administrators and on teachers you know if you think about it <coughs> even if you look at a k5 versus a 68 right the things you do in elementary school the the red ribbon dress up days week the dr seuss days the big Christmas parties, recess, right? All those things that you did in elementary school that you don't do in middle school. You might have red ribbon dress up week, but in actually actuality, when we get to middle school, we're going to call it homecoming week, right? We're no longer doing Dr. Seuss day. And at least when I went to middle school, their recess was gone, right? Like that was a thing. I think it's hard when you have those two kind of subsets of population an elementary and a middle in the same building for either one of them to get the true elementary experience or middle experience, because everything you do has to be thought of in both realms. Think about the cafeteria. You know, that seems like a stupid thing, but the cafeteria at the K-8 school is nothing like the cafeteria at the middle schools because you can't, make it the same way because you got to take into consideration those P5 kids. Um, as far as, you know, when I was in middle school, we could move our chairs around and sit and, you know, we had some different options for food than what the elementary school had. And then when we got to high school, we had a ton of options for food and there was no more assigned seats and, you know, things like that i think it makes it hard when you've got a p8 school to just deal with some of those things so taking a look at this and this is by no means an attack of yours but going into your concept you'd have the k3 uh, 4 6 7 9 10 12 so mm -hmm. in that versus mine you have one additional school change we do know that anytime a you know the return to school after a uh summer break is always a little arduous for some students, you know, especially the younger they are. Uh, adding yet another um, new school adds additional stressors onto those students as well. So does, does that moving into a completely new school decrease the um, decrease the, uh, the stressors of going to a new school? 
uh, overtake that of the concepts that you're talking about in, in between the six, seven type years? I think it actually helps um, because uh, as far as helping with the anxiety kind of deal, is that what you're asking me? Yes. Okay, so I actually think it helps because it becomes more normal. It doesn't just happen twice. Um, I also think it it helps normalize some of that start at the bottom, work to the top, start at the bottom, work to the top. Right? Because you start to see that happening more and more often. You know, one of the things that has become not just totally commonplace, but something that a lot of school systems are doing now is a senior walk where they have the seniors in high school once they get their um, cap and gown, they go back to their elementary school and they walk the halls of their elementary school. Um, and the whole concept behind it is to show those youngest kids, hey, look, this is what can happen when you work hard, right? I think there's something to be said about that growth that happens as you become kind of the the big big guy on campus, big man on campus. I'll just use totally sexist words, but big man on campus. Um, there is growth that happens in that that mirrors what we have to do in life. So I think it actually is beneficial to our students because they're going through that process over and over and seeing that it's different based on the level you are. I don't know if that answered the question you just asked or not. But that's... It, it, it did. Uh, so just out of curiosity, uh, when we take a look at the way most schools are funded, they're, they're funded a lot based on the number of students right. uh, that are in attendance there, and that's you know local, state, and federal funding uh uh, right, which is fun. why you have a lot of P5, 6, 8, 9, 12. Right. Because it's hard to get the funding to go P3, 4, 6, 7, 9, 10, 12. So with that in mind, basically uh, kind of going into what you just said there, um, those those larger ranges tend to have a little bit more funding for some of the different programs. Right. right. No, they do. Um, and, I mean, there's there's a definitive funding Gap, there is also a definitive, um, you know, when you look at some of the classes that are uh, joint classes, things like music, band, ROTC, uh, some of those things, uh, when you look at your athletics, all those would be affected, um, most definitely. It's just like anything else. We've got to look at pros and cons. You know, right now, we just don't have the funding to do it. Um but emotionally, how does that change what our kids go through socially? You know, um, so the state of Tennessee, I think it's gotten, I think now it's gotten its final approval, but they are coming out with a 610 license. Currently, we have a 68 and a 612, and they're coming out with a 610 because they recognize that that's kind of the subset, right? Which is kind of where I'm going with this junior high school concept. Um, it's just a different world as a teacher, you know, you don't teach them the same. You can't teach freshmen the same way you teach sophomores. It's a big difference. Um, middle school teachers will tell you, 
teaching sixth grade is totally different than teaching seventh grade. Teaching sixth grade is just like teaching bigger fifth graders. Most teachers, when you if they teach elementary school and you ask them, they are definitively either they want to teach third and below or fourth and fifth because there's such a tremendous change that happens right there. So I guess my argument for it has always been we know that those huge changes happen between third and fourth, between six and seven, between nine and ten. If we know that, how much better could we do at educating our students if we were all in the same developmental range? Um, Do we need as many things? You know, you look at the things that you need for senior level courses versus the things you need for freshman level courses in high school, they're very different. Even just the equipment that you need. Um, You know, whether you're going basics or whether you're going, taking a deep dive into things. It's just, it's a very interesting concept. I don't know that it's, I mean, I do know that it's nothing that I can solve. Not just like everybody else, I can have an opinion on it. So going outside of the resources, the other part of that funding uh, formula goes into performance as well. So if you have a poor performing school, you tend to have, uh, you have access to a few more grants, but uh, as far as your funding, base funding, it goes down a little bit versus higher performing schools tend to get a little bit more. Am I correct in, in that as well-ish? There is a lot of performance-based funding. The nicest thing I can say about performance-based funding is that it's caca. So the reason why I was going there is if we do break those down into smaller bands, now we can concentrate our education. Theoretically, we can concentrate our education a little bit more, again, as you're kind of saying, to those specific bands that are a little bit more age, so theoretically, or age, uh, or or instructionally uh, compatible, uh, I think will be. And therefore, we can bring that level of education up within those groups. Absolutely. I mean, and that's kind of my... That's kind of my push for those those smaller grade bands. Um, I am one of those people. I, I we have to <laughs> have a way to evaluate and compare across schools. I just don't believe that funding is the way we do it. Um, you know, I I I really don't. Um, I'm a huge proponent that an elementary school is an elementary school is an elementary school. And I don't care if you are in the rich part of town or the poor part of town. Our elementary schools ought to have the same funding. Agreed. Funding per kid should be across the board. It shouldn't matter which where you are. Um, I get inflation, but it's it's there's just a lot, uh, and that's why I said, as far as the the grant money, those kinds of things. The actual, in actuality, you probably have more grant money if you're a lower performing school, but that comes with a lot more of other people having control over your school. Um, you know, I think we just had this conversation like last night, maybe the night before, that educators, we're the only people in the world that go to school and get multiple degrees and then get evaluated like we're preschoolers. Nobody else does this. Pretty much. Uh, so, 
so I don't I don't know that we have solved everybody's I don't know that we've solved anything. I don't think we have, but sometimes it's good to just get out there. And and this is one that I would truthfully like uh, really everybody's opinion on. Uh, I think I think if we would uh, boil this down into different areas, a lot of people think what they had was the best and, and better than somebody else. Because I do know uh, we haven't got into year-round schools and, and some different... Uh, I like delivery. year-round schools, too. <laughs> I'm totally just the break in the mold. I went to a K five six eight nine twelve traditional school. I don't like it. I, I, I mean, it, I do, but I don't. So I got to go to a couple of different. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about your schools. <laughs> I, I, you know, between Southern California, and uh, David's high school that he went to had a larger campus than the university that I work at. We're just gonna throw that one uh, out there. That's, that's not true, but uh, we'll, um, we'll move on. <laughs> I believe it is. So, uh, but. So I think a lot of people, as I was saying, would like what they went to. Um, but if we really got into it and kind of looked, now this is also where theory and practice may be two different things. So we've talked a lot about what we've seen, but uh, changing to some of these may or may not have good implications. Uh, you know, there, there are places out there that have the junior high concept and they do exceptionally well. And then there's some that are exceptionally poor. And, and you know, part of that's, Instructional staff resources. We do have a neighboring county that is starting the move towards junior highs. Okay, that one I I did not even. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, so and it's one of those things that come. It seemed to come full circle too because I, I do know that many years ago there was a lot more junior highs. When you talk about when when my mom would talk about some of the schools that are, were around her, there were the junior high concepts, right? Uh, and, and my dad as well, and and then they kind of all went to the middle school. Uh, concept and now those junior highs are coming back so i think it's just like everything else in education everything is cyclical i mean the whole we we pick something and that's the new and improved way to do it and that's the way we're going to deal with things and then um things change and we change and we totally change the way we're doing things and then a little bit later we come back to the original way you know, and a lot has been said about the the fads in education and how we follow a fad. I don't think it's that we follow a fad. I think it's that we're working with tiny humans, and we have to react to what the world around us is doing. And just like, as you and I have talked about, there's there's a semester where we'll have a class that is absolutely phenomenal does everything on time, is timely, ahead of schedule on, on getting to classrooms, getting things submitted, doing things better. And then the exact, or the, the, the next semester, we get a group of students that are not those individuals. And that happens even back down into the elementary school because those, oh, yeah. those are ranging up. And so then when whenever we get the results, when we get our assessments of those bad classes now we have to come up with a new concept or you know because right it, it can't well, be just that there was a bad group of and i saw people. Um, somebody posted on twitter the other day uh and it was in response to something uh, a, a discussion that was being had about teacher evaluation and how demoralizing in that discussion that's what they were talking about was how demoralizing it could be 
And somebody got on there and they said, this is just a reminder. Nobody should take this year, meaning last spring, anything taught this summer, this fall, anything in 2020, and base your value or worth as a teacher on it. You know, and that was a, it came very timely for me um, because this has been hard to teach uh, and it is not normal and it's not, you know, normally we can chalk it up to, oh, well, this group of kids seems highly motivated or this one, maybe they're a little preoccupied. I don't even feel like we can, we know these kids well enough to get there. Um, And there's been a lot of that going on. Um, So it, it's just very interesting. Uh, I think the next few years are going to play out very interesting in higher ed. Uh, I want to see what happens as, you know, these students that have missed years. Uh, we had a conversation the other day about what's it going to mean for all these middle school students that are missing that time when you learn boundaries, right? And you brush up against each other in the hall and people get in fights and they're stupid little fights, but in general they're pretty quick and it's over with and you learn those boundaries of how far to push and, and kind of what you can do. Um, what's going to happen when these kids get older and they haven't experienced that because they lost a full semester last year. And then this year we're not changing classes at the same time so that we don't have too many people in the hallway. You know, there's a lot of emotional stuff going on and, and social and, you know, I don't think we're losing kids to the pandemic by any stretch of the means. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch once this, the year and a half that your colleague said this was going to last. Um, once that's over, how do we adapt and where do we go? Because we're going to have to. As educators, we're going to have to adapt. The things that we did last year didn't work this year. The things that we're doing this year are not going to work next year. And I, I say into that, this is probably not the time to make large changes No, as well. Uh, because, you know, if you're doing that based on assessments during this point in time, then it's going to be very difficult to say, well, is, this stuff worked bad. Well, it, it was bad because we were dealing with something that hit so dramatically in so many oh, different yeah, places. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. So we've been a little all over the place today. We have. And I've been all over the place today. And we still haven't hit what the best construct is, but uh, my way is my always way is the best. Always. No, I don't think so. But uh, you know, <laughs> we, we can we can agree to disagree on this one. But uh, you know, ultimately, our goal on here was to just uh, to get some conversation points out there, some of the research, some of our opinions based on where we sit, uh, and take a look at how you know the the construct should be. Uh, because that's one of the things about our communities. Most of us have a school board that's around us. And if you have opinions, you know, go talk to those individuals. If you want to have more impact on them, go run for school board. Uh, and <laughs> my wife's shaking her head. I, it's a longstanding joke. But, but, but be engaged. Understand what it is. And, and know that, you know, those administrators that are running, uh, those the teachers that are in each of them, uh, we're not saying one is, you know, because those individuals uh, are working uh, tirelessly with the resources uh, that they have available to make sure each of our students are going to grow up and, and have the best opportunity they can. So as we round up today, we're going to end up with our tips for this week. So you want me to go first. Go ahead. 
All right, so my tip of the week um, has a lot to do with the assignments that most of us are putting in our learning management systems. So due to pandemic, God, I feel I'm so tired of saying due to pandemic, that and out of an abundance of caution are going to be struck from my vocabulary. We're just going to put those at the top. We're going to add those to the intro music and just at the very end. Due to the pandemic (laughs) and out of an abundance of caution. We are recording this podcast and everything uh, forthwith is uh, regarding. Bless. All right. So one of the things that's happened because of this pandemic is a lot of us are putting more of our assignments into our learning management system because maybe we have students that are both virtual and face-to-face. We're trying to teach everybody at the same time in the way that we can get to them so one of the things that you know when we first started doing this and I've always been a huge proponent of putting my assignments in the learning management system um, but I would always explain them in class well so this semester when we have all this virtual stuff going on uh, I put my assignments in there and I realized that even though I put my assignments in with the directions and the rubric, and an example, I was still getting a lot of questions. And what I realized was most of those questions were things that I was saying when I would explain the assignment. So my tip of the week is if you are putting assignments into your learning management system, do a short video. You can do a screencast. If you've got Canvas, do a Canvas Studio. You can make a Camtasia video, however you wanna do it. Do it with your phone, it does not matter to me. But make a short video introducing the assignment just like you would do in class add that in with your assignment directions in the learning management system what it does a it's going to let your students see your face again um, which we as we've talked about is part of the battle right now it's just maintaining an engagement and building a rapport with students but it's also going to let them hear you in your words explain it while they can at the same time see the directions Uh, when i started doing that for my assignments the questions cut down tremendously. I didn't change the instructions. I just talked about the instructions and talked people through the instructions. So that's my tip. It doesn't take long, you know, doesn't need to be a professional video. It's nothing that has to be, you know, have an intro and music and just make a video explaining the assignment. And this week, I'm going to make the recommendation of the Overdrive media app. Now, there are several media apps that are out there. So if you like something else, uh, this is kind of my go-to. Every day, I have a 50-minute drive to work and from work itself. Totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) Rhonda has a 50-second drive versus my 50 minutes. If I hit a red light, it's a minute 27. It's a minute. You know, it's one of those things. But uh, every day, I have basically almost two hours in the car and, uh, you know, so when I, when I get up, it's, it's a little early when I get home, you know, I want to spend time with the family and, and decompress, but, uh, the overdrive media app has a tremendous amount of resources that are available through multiple libraries uh, that you would have access to. And for me, I have access to audiobooks. There's also print books. So if you read there as well, uh, I, ha- I have business, military, self-help professional, and, and many other areas where I listen to those. Uh, books and and I have the option uh, to listen to them at, at uh, uh, 
different rate of speed. So if you do process, uh, you can you can listen to them a little bit faster. It's a little bit uh, interesting to go from two times speed to one time and listen to the difference in the voice. But uh, it's uh, one of those ways that you can use that downtime that you're not able to read to engage with some of the new uh, literature out there from from fiction and nonfiction, uh, whatever works for you. So uh, check out that Overdrive app uh, as well. So as we conclude today, we would like to say that we always look forward to recording these episodes and engaging with each of you. However, without your feedback, we don't know what you're thinking. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. But also don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PerfectChaos7 and on Instagram at the same at PerfectChaos7. And personally, you can reach Rhonda at... At DRR Blevins on Twitter. And me at DSBlev, D-S-B-L-E-V. But lastly, I want to add in one new one, and this is going to be interesting to see what you have to say. You can actually leave us voice messages on the Anchor FM platform. So you go to our uh, page, anchor.fm, front slash perfect dash chaos, and there's a message button, and you can hit the message button, and it'll leave us, uh, you can leave us an audio message, and we can actually import those in from uh, time to time to hear what you're saying. We'd love to include those in our future podcasts, but for now, until next week, remain calm in your perfect chaos. <laughs> <laughs>